All right, everyone, quick quiz. What does Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Love the your with all your and all your and all your and a second one is like it. Love your as now I would have also accepted and love all humankind as you love yourself. I've still got the song running through my head. I don't know if you do. Uh, because it's true. Your neighbor is anyone God calls you to help, whether they're next door or on the other side of the world. Above everything else, Jesus wants us to love God and love our neighbor. Everything that God wants for our lives flows out of these two commandments. Now, Crossways International uses pictures to illustrate the story of Scripture. Uh, Get out your yellow inserts again. You've got the picture right in front of you there that's up on the screen. This is the image that uh, Harry Went from Crossways uses for the two greatest commandments. First of all, there's a symbol that Crossways uses for God, which is a circle, which because God has no beginning and no end. God is one. And coming out from God, the arrows coming out, represent God's love. Scripture says that God is love and that God's love flows out to us. You'll note that they're going out in all directions, kind of like a crown of thorns. God is our king, and yet the way that he showed his love for us most clearly is through Jesus suffering and dying and rising for us. In Hebrew, the word for love, you know, love the Lord your God, uh, and, and talking about God's love for us is chesed. Uh, say that with me, chesed. You kind of got to get a little bit of a, a, a thing in the back of your throat to say chesed. Uh, it's steadfast, faithful, covenant love. Um, God invites us into the love that He has for His people and His creation. This is how God wants us to live. So here's two people you know, living as God wants with arms raised to praise and thank God. Uh, you know, that's, that's why in the, in the offertory song, we sing, we lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you. So from these people, you see arrows going to each other, you know, God's love flowing through them to each other, and also returning love and honor and praise and thanks to God. When we are living in God's love, we, we, we're asking, how can I use my life to glorify God and to serve those around me? Jesus tells us we are to put God's Word, God's commandments at the center of our lives. Jesus said that all the law and the prophets come down to this, love God and love your neighbor. Love is more than just a warm, fuzzy feeling towards someone. 
It means acting kindly toward them, doing something to help them. Love is a choice. It is not just a feeling, but a stubborn, unwavering commitment to care for and help that person. As Jesus knelt to wash the feet of His disciples, to show them the depth of His love, so we are to serve one another. We are to be servants. When we do so, it results in peace. Peace between men and women, and peace among all people around the world. This image is a beautiful illustration of God's plan for our lives, what it looks like when we live with God's commands and His reign over us, serving one another in peace around the world. I invite you to take this picture home with you today and maybe have your kids or grandkids color it, put it up on your fridge as a reminder of how God wants us to live together, to love Him with all our heart and soul and mind and love all humankind. Now, last Sunday, we heard how some religious leaders came and challenged Jesus with trick questions. They weren't just curious about his opinions. They had already decided that he was a threat, someone they needed to get rid of. They were looking for an excuse to have him arrested and killed. So in today's reading from the gospel, the Pharisees wanted Jesus to pick out what he thought to be the most important commandment in the Mosaic law. They wanted to test him and see if they could trip him up. You see, the Pharisees were experts at the law. They spent years memorizing all the law codes in the Hebrew Bible. To become a Pharisee, you had to have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized. All of them. They, they then chopped up the, the Scriptures into 613 religious laws to be kept. They, they felt that there were 248 positive commands that corresponded to the 248 parts of the body and 365 negative commands, which corresponded to the days of the year. And they all had to be kept perfectly to live a blameless life, which is what they aspired to. The Pharisees were experts at keeping the law. When Moses wrote, keep these words on your hearts, write them on the doorposts of your house, bind them on your foreheads, they took that literally. They, they wrote all of God's commands on their doorposts, and they even wrote them on, they wrote the Ten Commandments on tiny little scrolls that they then rolled up and put in a little box that they tied onto their foreheads. Bind them on your foreheads. They did it. <laughs> and they walked around proudly with their little boxes on their foreheads looking ridiculous. <laughs> to say, look at us. We are holy people who are keeping God's law. They believed that if all Israel would keep the Sabbath perfectly just once or observe the whole law for just one minute, the Messiah would come and everything would be restored. 
The world would be a perfect place if we could just get our act together. We like to believe that same sort of thing, too, especially here in America. We're taught that we, to believe that we have unlimited potential, that we can achieve anything if we just set our minds to it. In bookstores, the self-help section is one of the most popular. Amazon.com has 631 current titles in their self-help section, including Discover Your Sweet Spot, The Seven Steps to Create a Life of Success and Significance. It's not about the shark, how to solve unsolvable problems, the simple path from problem to answer, and the social climber's Bible, a book of manners, practical tips, and spiritual advice for the upwardly mobile. When we buy into the American mindset of trying to be upwardly mobile, we start thinking about our relationship with God and others that way too. We ask, what's in it for me about everything? We think that we can get into God's good graces by being good people. Most of the time, we feel pretty contented. We pat ourselves on the back. We say, well, yeah, I'm a good person. I, I come to worship pretty regularly. I give money to the church and other causes. I try to help people out and be a nice guy. Sure, I bet I'm doing pretty well, getting high marks with God. If we let ourselves think that way, we haven't listened hard enough to what God really desires for our lives. Many of the commandments are prohibitions. Do not worship other gods. Take the names of the Lord in vain. Kill, steal, commit adultery, bear false witness, or covet your neighbor's possessions or relationships. In his small catechism, which he wrote for parents to teach their kids the basics of the faith, Martin Luther notes that if God commands us not to do certain things, he also commands us to do the reverse. Worship God, trust and follow Him alone. Use His name to call on Him in praise, prayer, and thanksgiving. Help our neighbors with all their physical needs. Lead a pure and honorable life. Love and respect our spouses. Assist our neighbors in improving and protecting their property. Defend our neighbors, speak well of them, explain their actions in the kindest way. Encourage our neighbor's spouse and workers to remain loyal. The problem is, none of us can say that we have lived our lives exactly how God wants us to. Not even close. It's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and saying, I'm going to train really, really hard, and if I visualize it, and if I run really fast and leap with all of my strength, I know I can make it to the other side of the canyon. <laughs> You'll never make it. You can't jump or climb your way to heaven. You can't earn your way or be a good enough person to make God love you. We all fall short. We don't love God with all our heart and soul and mind. We don't love our neighbors as ourselves. 
Each day we sin against God and others in thought, word, and deed. We are in slavery to sin, held captive to its power. We need to be set free. As a young man, Martin Luther had the opposite problem of people who think that they're doing really, really well. He wrestled with his conscience for a long time. Uh, he, he had this deep sense of guilt, of shame, that he was not living up to what God wanted in his life, that he was a poor excuse for a human being. Uh, he became a monk. He tried to devote himself to service and to Scripture and to prayer and to all these different things and worked harder at it than anybody and yet still was plagued with this guilty conscience that he could never attain this perfect ideal. But then one day in the middle of wrestling with God in prayer and reading His Word, Luther came to a sudden revelation when he was reading Habakkuk of all places. Habakkuk 2 says, The righteous shall live by faith. And for a long time, he uh, had struggled with this idea of trying to become righteous, that it was something that he was trying to attain. And then he suddenly realized, it's not about what I do. It's about faith, which is a gift. We become righteous by God making us righteous. We become holy when the Holy Spirit makes us holy. We're set right with God, not by what what we do, but by God's grace through faith. When we trust what God has done in Christ, we're set free from all those expectations, from all that weight, from all that guilt and shame that weighs us down. Jesus is the Messiah the anointed one who came to destroy the power of sin and death that holds you and me. God loves us so much that He went through death itself to redeem us, to reclaim us. We do deeds of love not to get brownie points with God, not to say that we are such wonderful people, but because our neighbors need them. We stop asking, what's in it for me? And instead ask, how can I be of service? How can I show others God's love, which He has so wonderfully poured into my life? In her book, Caught Up in a Story, Fostering a Story-Formed Life of Great Books and Imagination with Your Children, Sarah Clarkson says, I believe that to love God in this world takes heroic commitment. We are meant to know grace, but we are also meant to grow, to love more deeply, to give more freely, to suffer willingly in the cause of what is right. Christ doesn't call us by halves. He calls us to a heart, soul, mind, and strength kind of commitment, a faith and life of heroic dimensions. But the heroic life doesn't begin with us. What it comes down to is this. The only reason that we can be heroic 
is because God was a hero first. His heroism was love in ultimate action. A life so bravely lived, a self so completely given that he won the decisive battle of the universe. Our heroism is simply a response to his. Our courage is rooted in recognition of the story that we have joined in loving Christ. We are brave and true within the epic tale of his bravery and truth, the true story of the world. 1 John says, God is love. We love because God first loved us. A new commandment I give you, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. When we love God, when we are captured by God's love, we seek to become more like Jesus. We follow in our Savior's footsteps, one step at a time. We share God's love the way Jesus did. He was obedient to God and humbled himself. He welcomed the outcast and ministered to the sick. He fed the hungry and proclaimed good news. He even went through suffering for the sake of the joy that was set before him. The joy of one day seeing the earth restored, of people living together like this, united in love, serving one another, and giving praise to God who rules over all things. God's kingdom has not yet come in all its fullness, but it will one day when Jesus comes again. Every knee will bow to Him. His enemies will be put under His feet. Jesus calls us to live like the kingdom is already here, giving the world a foretaste of it by loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and serving those around us, loving our neighbor as ourselves, all in response to what He has done. God is love, and so we love because He first loved us. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.